podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. If you were to read any popular history of modern Britain, you will most likely be told that until September 1997, it was a buttoned up and emotionally repressed nation, unable to show public displays of emotion whatsoever, certainly not grief. After one tragic evening in Paris, nothing was the same again. Since then, it has been a country much more in touch with itself, one where shrines to dead heroes would become commonplace. And yet... Two and a half years before the death of Diana and in Italy on a different scale to the palaces of London, the flowers and scarves poured from the Ibrox gates out onto Edmiston Drive. At this club of all clubs, renowned for its stoicism and a deeply held suspicion for sentimentality, all that seemed to have changed. Whether at lunchtime or deep into the night, men, women and children gathered to leave something behind and to take it all in where the only noise to be heard was the passing of a car or the catching of a tearful breath. Rangers had said farewell to uh, legends in the recent past, Willie Waddle and Willie Thornton to name but two, but this was different. Those were old men from a distant time. For many standing in silence in that cold, damp March weekend, it felt like David Cooper had been playing for Rangers the previous week. Such was the vibrancy of his legacy that had been captured and replayed in every news bulletin for days. It hit hard not just because it was a shocking and tragic loss for a relatively young, fit and healthy man, but because his talent could have seen him jettison Ibrox quickly, but his heart ensured that he couldn't. I think the continent may have suited me with the amount of time you get on the ball, Cooper said in his last ever interview, but I don't look back. I was a Rangers supporter and I spent the bulk of my career at the team I loved. You take your chances. I had a great career. I've enjoyed every minute of it. Cooper's celebrations were always in sync with the everyman supporter. He was from those terraces. What he'd often just done seconds before, however, was as if he was from another world. To discuss Cooper's passing, the impact on this season and its conclusion, I'm joined by David Edgar from Liverpool. How are we, David? Uh, in Liverpool, not from. Uh, I, I don't think my throat could You're joining us from I am, I am. I'm joining you from Liverpool. Uh, for those of you listening in the the future, it's the week of Rangers Champions League uh, trip. You'll you'll know how it went. At the moment, we don't. But yes, uh, I'm in Liverpool. But you know, dominant waits for no man. So it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, David and Alan Bradley. Good evening, Alan. Yeah, good evening. Uh, I'm in Wishaw, not in Liverpool. And if things do go wrong tomorrow night, David, it's on you. No, I'm really not taking okay, anything well. to do with this result, that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, okay. no, no. Okay, <laughs> well, let's go back to, to the spring of 1995. Um, Wednesday, 22nd of March, uh, then David Cooper was out on the AstroTurf pitches next to Broadwood, um, the home of Clyde FC, of course, near Cumbernauld. Uh, we were showing 14 youngsters how football should be played. He was doing a free kick routine, of all things. Um, he was involved with this STV production, of course, called Shoot with Charlie Nicholas and Tommy Craig. And he said to Charlie Nicholas just a few moments before, how about we, we go for a pint after all this is done? Um, minutes later, he was lying on the floor motionless. One of the crew eventually shouted, everyone thought it was a joke. Someone shouted, okay, David, the joke's over. 
um, blood appeared from his mouth. It was clear the situation was infinitely more serious. Quickly rushed to Monklands before being referred to the, the Southern General's Institute for Neurological Sciences. Um, early signs weren't good. Fans stunned um, trying to digest it. That was nothing, of course, compared to friends and family. Ali McCoy could barely speak as he phoned Dean Durant to say that he was heading up to the hospital where he would... Uh, with Derek Johnson, I think, um, uh, be there all night until the, the news we were fearful of um, uh, eventually came in this little hospital um, campus room, a lecture theatre, um, where the consultant neurosurgeon delivered the news everyone had feared. Um, David, uh, that was a Wednesday over a Thursday, middle of the week. Um, I was still at school. Can you remember... You remember those couple of days digesting that there had been a hemorrhage, and even if Cooper survived this, this was it's going to be very, very difficult for him. Um, and of course, that that, that death was a, a a very real possibility that that Wednesday evening. Yeah, um, I heard about it when coming in from school. Uh, although I was a wee bit older by then, I was still uh, kicking about, and uh, yeah, just couldn't believe it he, he didn't seem old enough really and at the time you're you know you're in your teenage years and whole life ahead of you as you get older i think and you begin to talk about your own mortality but i'm still not quite there yet and i'm now six years older than davy cooper ever was and that um i think as I get older, it almost reinforces this level of tragedy for me about how he's taken. I, I was just stunned, and I, and I don't use the word lightly. Uh, I was just stunned. I, I struggled to take it in. My family were struggling to take it in. Again, he was so young, and he was so vibrant, and he, he was doing punditry at the time, if you remember. He would do Scott Sport and Scott Sport Extra Time yeah. regular, and he looked great. I mean, he really did. He was an attractive mm. guy, and he, he he looked great. He was really well spoken. You you just couldn't quite get your head around it, and there was that waiting, and you're you're praying for a miracle. But I think that there was a suspicion that even if he came through for a little bit, it was unlikely to be with any great quality of life, which. Yeah. <sighs> You're still hoping, you're hoping that just, you know, the doctor appears on the TV and he says, well, you know, that things went well. But I think there was that that sense that it probably wasn't going to end like that. And then just the shock and the grief, because as I mentioned on here before, when I first started watching football, it was Davy Cooper and, and then Ali McCoyst. And, but it was Davy Cooper right at the start for me. Uh, he was the shining light in that Rangers team when Ali was was struggling as he first arrived. So I just couldn't get my head around it. And as I say, rather than the years passing and it actually becoming, uh, you know, going fading to memory. And I think as I get older, and I remember passing that the, the year, the anniversary, the year that I was 39, and thinking that this is how he should still be with us now, never mind having mm. lost him almost 30 years ago. It, it it just seems so incredibly cruel that someone so special and so talented had just been taken from him. And, and just out of nowhere, just completely out of nowhere, it, it was one of these things that 
that can happen to anybody, but it shouldn't. It couldn't have happened to Davy Cooper, surely. He was. He wasn't. Yeah. You said at the start. He 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 didn't come from the same place as we did in terms of, you know, the level of gifts we've been given and the. Uh, it's so sad. It just that uh, even all these years later, it, it still is quite upsetting yeah. to talk about because he just he shone so bright, and you just couldn't imagine that light going out instantly, and that that's what happened. Alan David's mentioned stunned and, and, and shock, and that 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 really was the prevailing um, reaction. I mean, sudden death, sudden tragic death happens. Of course, it does. Um, and even if you compare it, maybe with uh, some of the situations we've we've suffered as a support recently, the time of recording, notably Andy Gorham, Walter Smith, we knew they were unwell. We'd maybe even prepared at some level that this this could happen actually in the, the the near future but Davey's right about how bright and effervescent Cooper still was um you know a very fit guy but it was you know a subarachnoid hemorrhage bleeding between the membranes that, that line the brain that can occur without any hint of a warning um and because of that by the way a successful operation just just wasn't an option um it just it just caught Everybody completely um, by surprise, Alan. But I'll go into the memories in, in, in a moment. But for you, you've you've seen the, the whole David Cooper story just because of, of of your generation. You saw him as one of the young guns in yeah. in seventy seven. Um, what are your recollections of that that immediate um, response? Just devastated, to be honest with you, Martin. Just hearing it on the news. And as you're saying, when you heard, you know, what had happened to him, again, I don't know, you just knew within yourself, as David said, I mean, you were like praying, or, you know, something will turn, you know, it will improve and so on. But I think deep down, you know, obviously, you know, you kind of you, you knew this just really sad news was coming, you know, and things were going to be confirmed. Uh, and I think it's a good point that you make as well. I, I can still remember as a 14-year-old leaving the, my house in Wishaw, to go and see Rangers playing Clyde Bank in those four games that I went to. And he was obviously playing. He was the, the seen as the Scottish George Best. So I remember going, and we drew three each, and kind of Cooper scored equaliser. I then remember going to Colbowie, which I'd never been to. You know, my dad, it was this old ground. And he scored an equaliser. I think Greg scored. Then we'd drawn nothing each back at ours. And then we played the next day at Firhill. So I saw this guy, and it was like, geez, you know, right away, Everyone and I think even at the time the Rangers team and all that were going this this you know everyone was talking about this exciting person. So then obviously we sign him, but I had him in my life pretty much and honoured and you know actually to have been to pretty much see all of David Cooper's games because I was going all of the time. So all of that twelve year period, and it's funny it's like the kind of grief you know we see these things happen now and people always say why are you getting upset because you didn't really know them. But from 14-year-old to 26, 27 at Rangers alone, David Cooper, you were seeing him every week. He, he was a local guy as well, Martin, came from Hamilton. Uh, you know, so we, we kind of knew him. I knew some people related to, to David Cooper as well. Saw him doing the treble, the doubles, winning cups, I mean, seven league cups. I mean, that was like his trophy. Mm. The three, obviously, Scottish Cups were us to the three titles. I was a postman in Motherwell, early 20s. 
and David Cooper's was in my route as well. So when I was going down Ladywell Estate and uh, he was standing waiting there and Ian Ferguson lived in Newt Hill, the other one, he would pick David Cooper up in his Capri and so on. Sometimes I would talk to him as well. I used to go jogging around Strathclyde Park and Coop would be around there with a the bag, you know, the you know, to try and kinda of get his cell back and so t- to me it was just oh, just absolutely devastating. Even now, just talking about it, and I've, I've had a few Rangers heroes through my time, but it's just when I look back and all of those things that you've seen in all of the videos, all the goals, all the free you know, whatever it would be, as I say, I, I really just feel so blessed that actually it was a big, big part of my life, you know, all the time following Rangers. Uh, but no, it's just such a sad. I mean, he played for the club, obviously that you know that he loved, and my God, we loved him as well. Martin is just, just what what a talent, and it was a throwback as well to when Scotland had these, whether it be Jimmy Johnson, Roy Henderson, like real, real unique, you know, well, type of players, and he was the last I think of of that. You know, yeah. You know the he, thing that, about this it. This is the conversation. Sorry, been having over the sorry, past few yeah. weeks. Yeah, this they're not. Producing these, but even before this tragic event, where are these players? Where, where, where's the next David mm-hmm. Cooper? Because this, it already felt you, we talked about it in last week's show that, that when he announced his retirement, uh, which was Aye. just a couple of months before, that the same right and Loudrop has, has has brought this really into the consciousness. Mm-hmm. Where are these individuals? This is what Scotland did. Maybe not tactically sound as, as units, um, and you maybe didn't look after ourselves in the, the most professional way, et cetera, et cetera. But we produced these gallus, Tanner Baugh kind of merch. Right. They just had something about them. And, I mean, Cooper's death underscored that, whether it was much power as one of his free kicks. Oh, it was absolutely. a kind of final full stop on this conversation, wasn't it? We lost a lot of talent through the 80s due to teacher strikes because that meant there was no football. And you remember at the time as well, there were a lot of people being moved out. So the old kind of street football, as a lot of people moved to the suburbs, Mm -hmm. the environment was changing, the places to play. When I was growing up, it was difficult to find a, a, to play 11 aside, you know, to find an organised team. Your school didn't do it. So... That was one of the reasons, uh, I think. And then I remember seeing these programmes, Martin, as you would as well, in the, the early 90s, you know, whether the Scottish player and there was the bemoaning the street football. It made for better lifestyles because kids were moving to much nicer areas. But, yeah. you know, maybe they did lose that 40-a-side game where, you know, if you wanted to touch the ball, you had to... The, the schemes re- playing one scheme against the other. Aye, and that, yeah. and you, you had to be good at retaining the ball if you ever wanted a touch of it. Um there's a couple of things I just want to throw in about Davy Cooper is another reason why I loved him. One, he was called David, which I loved. Uh, two, he didn't drive. Alan, you just mentioned oh, there. Um, yeah. You just mentioned yeah. there that he Fair. picked him up. Yeah. Fair, picked yeah. him up. And by the way, I'm not sure I can think of anything cooler in the existence in the entire history of the universe than Davy <laughs> Cooper in a Capri. <laughs> Uh, I just thought that's there's an image. And three, Ali had said this a lot. He said the thing about Coop was he he, he loved his hometown. He loved her. if you wanted mm-hmm, to if you wanted to go out on a night out with Davy, you went out to his his locals because he yeah, he, that, he was coming into town. And he said it's the power of the guy that we all went. You know these footballers were. Victoria's and you know Dolly Bird's throwing they all trekked it to, to to go out with Davy Cooper. Um, that's the power that Davy Cooper had an aura about him, didn't he? That Loudrop 
was the same as a footballer. Um, you mentioned the word gallus, Martin. I I think we 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 tend to think gallusness as being a a Scottish thing and only Scotsman. I don't think it's true. I think mm. it's a quality that's just their name for it. I'm sure there are countries of their own name for it. But it is that sort of. It's not about height. It's not about uh, stat, physical stature. It's just this this confidence, this this coolness. And so watch this, just watch this, I, isn't it, it, as they do just, it? Yeah, just, I, I, and of course, insouciance about doing amazing things. And and I think that that's maybe the Loudrop comparison because you know he was obviously physically different to Davy. He played in a in a kind mm-hmm. of different way. Played in a different era. But it was that essential. My God, he's the coolest guy, and and they were both the type of person that, as footballers, they were head turners. You know that even when they didn't have the ball, you were sort of looking to see where they were and almost counting down the minutes until they did get the ball. And I, I'm so pleased that Cooper got to play in a good Rangers side again. That the start mm-hmm, the starting yes. point of this show, the '86, because he was the only. When I first started watching Rangers, Alan, you'll know better than me, but he was the only thing in that team worth watching. Um, you know, and oh, Ian Ferguson yeah. did all right near him, and Ali came in and started okay. But the guy that you turned up at Ibrox, the guy that you watched in the telly, pin your hopes on, was Davy Cooper, and to then see him and Bobby, yeah, I, him and Bobby Russell, David. Yeah. When I, see when the first when the first came, I remember that very first season. We're two 0 down against Celtic. We won three two. The old Rangers ran them right behind the goals, just at the terrace, and then we scored the third. The 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 play that they had the. Everyone says he was never quick, but on his head he was playing balls through. Okay, I mean just some of the stuff he done, and it was all it was all so magical as well. I mind even did we not play Fairnard or someone in a, a it was just absolutely soaking wet, horrible friendly thing. I don't know if Rutula or someone was playing. But well, this, my is God, the, some the Rutulet, this is where the Rutula quote later on I, comes yeah. from because he did he'd, he'd watched he'd also played against them, and he said you know the one of the best players you've ever seen and that, that got obviously replayed um, a few years uh, it, later it's a, a deep and genuine and a bite it's not just yeah 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 well it wasn't a down bite for he still oh, no, said no, 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 no. every year on yeah. Cooper's uh, on, on sadly that anniversary um, Rude mm-hmm. Hulett tweets out one of the you know one of my heroes and sadly missed and you know he met up with him during his day uh, yeah. it, 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 it's it's a lovely and oh, amazing it's a respect between guys who none of the rest of us are a member of that club. Aye. Yeah, and he wasn't, and there wasn't bullheaded. The thing about Davy Cooper as well, he, he, he knew within his cell, he knew he was so good, but he never walked about there with a look at me, I'm so. And he, he brought young I'll players on. You talk about some, yeah, yeah. Sorry, that, yeah. I want to come back to that. I think there's, there's there's maybe something in that just in a minute. There's two other things I want to pick up on just before we we do move on and, and go on with the mm-hmm. season. The reaction. Now, Davy, I, I'm—I don't think I'm overly emotional guy. As I said, we've 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 lost some Rangers greats recently. Time of recording, I was deeply saddened by that and deeply affected. But um, I don't think over emotional about it. Um, I found this very difficult to revisit and 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 write about and and, and, and yeah. talk about because like you he what and i'm obviously slightly younger 86 87 is my starting point that's where my consciousness begins and it is cooper for me he's he's first before ali even before soonest really becomes this kind of god it's cooper with that ball to durant on that first televised mm. game league cup 
final. It's Cooper with the, the cup final penalty and McCoyst lifting him up. Um, the Rangers fans going berserk in the background, just out of focus, it's blurred, obviously. And the, the, the look of affection with two, two geniuses in their own way, but but Rangers. Bears. You know, and, and there, there's something in me, it's yeah. And interesting when you get doing doing the research and come across that that picture where the floral tributes in the hat and you know the scarves and the, the strips. And we are kind of been or we have been conditioned um to think that until Diana, which obviously just a couple of two and a half years later, that didn't really happen. Now Hillsborough did, but that was so monstrous in its tragedy, um, that that that's almost separate just for a single human life, you, British people didn't really do that. There's maybe the John Lennon thing as well, but that was a lot more in America. Um, and yet, here it is at, at our gates and, and our club, as I said, not really with a tradition for that. We always kind of mock the over-emotionalism um, of, of others. Um, I went up that night, asked my dad if we could go up. Um, it must have been 10, half 10. I wanted to put a top down, it was my Adidas equipment home one, I wish I'd kind of kept it now, but I, I, I wanted to put something no, I get something it. down, you see it was my first, and it was there were a, there were a few there and it was just absolute silence and then obviously though, of course the weekend, not a game that weekend, it was um, a lot of international stuff Um, that this thing just builds and builds and builds Um, it's not something we think of ourselves doing, I don't think at that time, I think we forget um, that 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 happened really because it's it's kind of out of out of sync with that as I said that that modern British history story and it's certainly out of sync with Rangers at that time. Did any of you go up? I went up. I, I went up that night um, on the train, to, and I and it was I wasn't alone. You know there were a lot of people getting on. You could see them, and it was some like yourself, Martin. You know, laying down tops and uh, flowers as well. The you could see the stops on the way up for Cowinning, which you know, Cowinning, Johnson, Paisley, um, Bell's getting on, mm-hmm. and, and then running to the subway. Um, not really talking, you know, maybe smiling if you see it, you know, that nodding way when our Angels top gets on and mm-hmm. he sees yours, kind of, but, but not really talking. Um, uh, I, I think that some things are just so universal and shocking that they strike a chord in all of us and it doesn't matter what you you know you like as a person individually it's just something that resonates with all of us he he was 39 and he was as fit as a fiddle and suddenly he isn't there anymore and that's that's everyone thinking it could be me or it, it could be someone i love um then there is something I think we talked a lot about when Walter was here about this you can be one of these cynical people who, who especially online maybe likes to, to, to be controversial and says stuff like, oh how can you grieve for someone you didn't know well Walter Smith gave me some of the happiest moments of my life yes. he's, he's he's had and Davy Cooper was the same they, they've done more for my happiness than a lot of my family members Um, and I don't I don't think that it it certainly wasn't contrived in any way. It certainly wasn't a, a decision that that you know was was spoken about. We, we certainly didn't have things like social media in the day. It was just 
your reaction, I think, was the reaction of just, I need to go somewhere and, and do something about this, uh, be it a Rangers supporters club or Ibrox is the place we gravitate to in good times as well as bad. You know, the, the, it, mm. when we win the league, when, you know, the, it, it's where we go. It, it is that uh, almost church for our... our, our for us, yeah, yeah. It is, it, it's sort of like a secular church for us. And I, I just think that it, it wasn't in any way... It was spontaneous. And it was just a sense yeah. of I'd like to do something because I'm powerless and I'm sad and I, I don't feel it's enough to 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 mark it in the house. I, I've got to go and do something and be somewhere. And, and that sort of gesture to me is incredibly powerful because it wasn't mapped out. Now we kind of know what to do and that doesn't make the days any any uh, sadder and it doesn't make the reactions any less genuine. but. There is a maybe there is. There is a, mean, a model of it. There's a lot of grief shagging going on. No, there there is. I'm, I'm talking more specifically about us. Like when, but and look, there's still there yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're in the age of social media. There is a performative. Yeah, performative um, yeah there is a performative aspect to, to everything these days because you can you you can do things instantly. You can communicate with people. You go on social media and you see thousands of people, and an opinion can form in seconds. These were just people from all over the country, Martin. They hadn't met up. They hadn't watched the yeah, telly. Yeah, They'd yeah, come in yeah. from their work, heard the news and gone with no second thought. It was literally an occasion where thousands of people had the same idea at the one time. And I do put oh, it I... down to the the shock value, uh, how much he, he meant to us, but also that, without getting too philosophical, that frightening reminder of how fragile this whole thing is. Yeah. And it it is one of those nights you hug your loved ones closer. Well, David, that, that one you said, I, I went in the car and I went up the loft in Margaretson, what are you doing? And I had an old scarf that I had from that time, from the early 70s, with at the time you used to sew patches and things on it. Margaretson, what are you doing? I went up and got that. I just went in the car myself and just drove in there and just kind of quietly put it down. Now, the only other person I've ever done that for, just up until around about that time anywhere after, uh, was Big Wallace. Again, just because maybe my age. And again, you're saying it with Davey. I'm like 33 as well at the time. And as you say, it was just such a, a shock. And I always go on, you'll, if you'll hear me, I'll continue the golden thread. There's certain characters in our history, you know, with that old truth, you know, all the way through, uh, the likes of Big Greg. But Davey Cooper, I held the same as, you know, and to me, it's just like, a, I don't know, it's a, a touch back to my grandfather, my great grandfather, and so on. And as you say, again, honestly, I must have seen him hundreds and hundreds of times. All of those, the Driver Cup final, do you know, all the, the, the beautiful things that David Cooper did. I also saw him doing the, we would centre it, we'd go back to David and he would just, nah, and play it away and you would go, he's not in the mood. But see the minute I went back to him and he dropped a shoulder, everybody just went, oh, here we go. And the fortunately, reaction. I saw more of those than the other ones, yeah. The reaction is almost universal, whether it's for a teammate, opponent, the media, mm-hmm. ordinary fan. Um, Cooper was an, an introvert, quiet guy, shunned the limelight that he could have hogged easily. He refused to deal with the media early in his career, but warmed to it later on. He was a great pundit, mm-hmm. actually. Um, he had a kind of dry wit about him as well as you know good observations. Um, this was a player who was one-footed, terrible in the air, poor in the tackle, slow in a race, but 
all that became irrelevant if the ball landed at his, his left foot. Um, there were hints of, of green and yellow in that sea of blue um, as the tributes kind of piled up. Look, Cooper never had his love for Rangers or what that was all about. He wouldn't even entertain Jockstein's um, request that he come and join Celtic but he was still at Clydebank. It just, just wasn't on the radar at all. <laughs> and yet there was still that that respect um, for him as a player. Um and the, 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 the tributes, again, had this commonality of when are we going to see that again? Paul McStay talked about, you know, the level of skill that we don't have in the mm-hmm. Scottish game at the moment. Um, Chick Young finished his piece by saying, you know, the last of the great winners. Uh, God bless you, Davey. I know not when we'll see your likes again. And even Rangers fans, so often consumed by the final score and, and nothing else, appeared to be gripped by a kind of brief moment of self-reflection. Uh, Robert McElroy, the Rangers historian, started this piece by using the, that famous quote from the, the, the American sports writer Grant Land Rice, for when the, the one great scorer comes to mark against your name, he writes, not that you won or lost, but how you played the game. Uh, and even the most cynical um, fan I've ever met on of course and fall at fall the Governor Gub um, he finished his tribute to Cooper by saying as Rangers Football Club today a club going for seven leagues in the trot any better off than when the absolute shambles of a club we were 10 years ago that had David Cooper and nothing else winning isn't everything it's taken the tragic death of David Cooper to make me realise this um, Alan when I was putting my thoughts together for, for this and, and Cooper and he, he never made too much of it, but he would grumble about his career and maybe not being as appreciated as he maybe should have mm-hmm. been in Scotland. Reminding me of a lot of David Holmes and the work that, that we'd done earlier in this this series. He he does think that he is underappreciated. Um, but, you know, is that a nature of the quiet, introverted personality? That if you do want your legacy to be, or maybe your legacy now, because death obviously changes things, but... In life, uh, if you want that appreciation, sometimes you, you do need a personality that goes out and, and hogs it. Because Cooper did. He, he felt, I mean, he, he described the five seasons under Greg as five wasted years, someone that didn't understand how to use them. Um, but he didn't go to Italy when he could, you know. He didn't have that kind of chip of ice in the heart that said, I'm ambitious, I'm going to go somewhere where my talent can be fully kind of recognised. Can you have it both ways? No, I think there was a wee bit of the, as you say, not, you know, being quiet and not actually pushing and kind of shouting out about it. There was an element to that. I think what went against David Cooper, unfortunately, was was that period, as you say, laterally after maybe the first season of Big Greg into the second one, they didn't go on anyway. You know, there was a there was definitely a, a split, I think, between Big Greg and Cooper. Funnily enough, when Big Wallace came back, when would that be in 83? But when Wallace came back, there was a resurgence then and David Cooper then became a, a never-present again. But I think also because of the players that he was playing with during those times, if he had been playing like, I think David mentioned that obviously in uh, Wallace's second treble season, at that point when they were flying and a bit of the first Greg one, but then later on you'll see the first one as soon as as well, he kind of comes back in. So I think there was a, a bit of both about maybe the way David did kind of keep things quiet and so on. But I also think if he had been in a, a better team with maybe some other, you know, better players around him, then it would probably have magnified, just you know, made things look better, yeah. See, for what it's worth. the football went, or the, oh, Sorry, just, oh, sorry before, just on that. See, before that, um, oh, that's literally just a tiny wee thing, but NASA this year, Gordon Smith, was talking about mm. uh, he got sold to Brighton without knowing, 
um, That's right. going, yeah. and basically got hauled in by John Gregg and like Yarovsky. Um, and when he got to Brighton, uh, he said the manager said, uh, I tried to buy you and David Cooper, and Gregg said I could have won, but not the other, and I picked you. Um, he said, and then he he watched a a game, a Scotland game, and he came in the next day at training and went, and I signed the wrong one. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was a nice. Uh, but, but again, he was never, I, never I, going to break. He was never. He can, I, he can he drive through Hamilton? Well, I I, I agree with you uh, on your point about can you have it both ways? No, he couldn't. Um, you you can't in any life say I was unhappy for five years and I did nothing about it and therefore it's someone mm. else's fault. It's, you know, he could have moved. He was never going to move. Look who he moves to after Rangers, right? David could... Right. Um, Tommy McQueen, basically. Yeah, there, there's a modern equivalent, Leighton Baines, um, yeah. who, who wouldn't move from the Northwest. And if you look at his clubs, Wigan, Everton, he, yeah. he point black, he could have mm-hmm. gone to Arsenal, who were, you know, much bigger club than Everton uh, and a, a really good Arsenal side and he chose not to. So, yeah, uh, he was in the place he was born to be in and yeah, well, I, I, don't, I don't think those regrets were were long-lasting. I don't think that... I think Certainly they were maybe not. fleeting thoughts. Yeah. yeah, well, I think they were genuine at the time but as you said, Davey, um, him having another go at this with a good Rangers team, I think if Sunis had not arrived, I, I wonder... How um, lacking in regret he may have been at the end of his career, because at least he had he had that again, um, and someone who did appreciate him and and, and would use him. Um, Walter Smith and Alan McCoy led the the the, the mourners at the funeral. McCoy very bravely got to the end of his um, eulogy um, by describing Cooper as a remarkable talent, a fine fine man. But it was Smith, as it is so often, who found the perfect words. Um, God gave him a great gift. I don't think he'd be disappointed in the way it was used. Um, and as it happened, Rangers weren't due to play between Cooper's death and the funeral, so the, nothing was moved around um, as, as the club absorbed that shock. Um, and Smith invoked Cooper's memory and his style and his kind of qualities by pleading with his team to wrap this title up in style. And, you know, they duly did. Three games to look at. I mean, it took them 11 seconds. Davey up at Tanadice to, to take the lead in the, the first game back. Gordon Jury latching on um, to that through ball and just beautifully dinking it over um, uh, the, the goalkeeper's uh, head. And then, not many minutes later, uh, Alan McLaren's free kick. My goodness, goodness, we didn't see many of those in no. his time. It's an absolute... Bullets of not, a free kick. Not many um, remember that. See, when and people who were about at the time, maybe because I don't know, it wasn't live on the telly or whatever. But uh, I've I've spoken to people about this, and do you remember Alan McLaren's forty yarder? And people high. people were like, no, Alan McLaren. I'm, I'm telling you to the point where I doubted myself that I'd witnessed this. It was like Cooper against Hibbs, ironically, in the you know the second leg one at Ibrox. That just blasting it. It's, it's, it's an absolute it's, scream. It's yeah. in the list of best it's Rangers fitting. goals nobody ever talks about. It's certainly very fitting. Anyway, um, we'll try and bunch these up because Rangers yeah, we won two 0 that day. Uh, we then beat Aberdeen three two at Ibrox the following weekend, and it was a game that lacked or a game that had, sorry, something that the season had lacked, which was just fun. Uh, Rangers were two up early on, Aberdeen had managed to pull it back to 2-2 before half-time, and then Big Hately, who had come back that day, first game, I think, since Hogman A, um, since Boxing Day, he pops up um, with the winner. Um, Rangers then uh, turn around the style, Davey, and, and, and kind of getting towards this um, end game. But these two opponents, 
the new firm, of course, Dundee United and Aberdeen, bottom of the table, both of them. Um, Golach gone, it's Billy Cotterwood, former Rangers reserve team coach, is in charge of Dundee United. Roy Aitken, of course, in charge of Aberdeen. Um, oh, how the mighty have fallen. I mean, this was, this was bizarre, actually. I mean, you would expected that, that drop-off, but this was this was pretty dramatic from both of them, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, because especially Aberdeen, the United, um, they had won the Cup, but they yes, had... Cup. They had, of course, won the Cup, but they hadn't been troubling the score. Like, like, it, 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 the 80s, Dundee United are in the running for things. You know, maybe not the league by the end of it, but, that you know, you certainly won't be surprised if they're up there in the Cups and, and spoilers in the league. But Aberdeen were the treble runners-up in our treble year in 93-93 and the second-best team in Scotland by some considerable distance. Um, Aberdeen's fall was rapid and once it began I don't know whether it was panic I don't know whether it was uh, just bad decisions compounding bad decisions you see it a lot at clubs when they begin to think we need to do something and then then there's that right we need to swing for the fences each time Manchester United are a good example of that I think over the last 10 years where one thing will take us back and it's like, well, actually, no, um, you need to build for a little while. And generally what happens is they have to hit a bit of an idea before the patience is there to say, look, we need to, to build back. But yeah, if you wanted to know where Scottish football was, um, then this is, the 80s were over by now. The the whole new form thing. I mean, there, there was talk in sort of 85, say, that, Aberdeen and Dundee United, this was going to be the, the new century, you know, this was going to lead us into to the 21st century and that the old firm domination was completely over and sure you would get good Rangers and Celtic teams from time to time winning trophies but the hegemony was completely, was completely gone and yet here you are by the middle of the 90s and the two poster children of that are mm. You know, now fighting relegated. Aberdeen should have been relegated in the 90s, escaped on technicalities twice. Uh, Dundee United were, of course, relegated. And since really, if we're being honest, been a bit of a yo-yo team in Scotland with mm. the odd good scene. Mm. They won the Cup in 2010, I know. But um, yeah, it just, I think the speed of it, I think the whole thing, though, when you think about it, sort of flamed really quickly, didn't it? And I think now at the juncture we're at, we can probably look back and say a perfect storm caused by both clubs getting their greatest ever managers at the right time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now that's yeah, and that's, now right. that's gone. But honestly, when you know when when we were wee boys, Martin, there was talk that Aberdeen and Dundee United had had reinvented the Scottish football wheel and that things would never go mm. back the way they were. And of course, things have not only gone back the way they are, they've now closed the door behind them. Well, Aberdeen would bounce back from that defeat. They would win their next game, which is at home to Celtic. And in doing so, actually confirmed Rangers as Premier League champions before we took on Hibs on the Sunday, live on STV. Um, Sunday the 16th of April. It was 1-1, somehow 1-1 with five minutes remaining. I've absolutely no idea how that yeah. we were not ahead in this game. Uh, again, 
Smith had deliberately asked, well, she'd asked it a bit sooner, right enough, to play with us kind of bags of style and freedom and, and, and creativity. Rangers were superb. You know, Hibbs is a great equaliser through Michael O'Neill, but, you know, Rangers were so, so good. And eventually, five minutes to go, two goals in the last five minutes from Garant and Miko, two beautiful goals actually. Um, capped the kind of performance um, a deserved win um, with a, a kind of deserved margin and you know um, gave that title party a bit of energy Alan um, your memories of number 7 wee bit different to that kind of weird 0-0 draw with Dundee or the, the defeat obviously at, at, at Hibs and uh, at, yeah it was at Hibs wasn't it the season before and that kind of drab um, finish this had been another difficult season in yep. many ways, as we just talked about. Um, but th- there was a bit of fun about this particular title party, I thought. You're right. As you say, they were expressing themselves, obviously, you know, because, you know, Celtic had been beaten, you know, before. But as you say, cracking day, you know, a cracking game in itself. And you're right, Martin, it could have been 6 or 7-1. Some of the stuff we were playing was great. And as you say, at the end as well, it was 7. And I think even for others who didn't want to jinx it, I think you've got in the back of your mind now, Right, that's us get seven now. Yeah. You know, what I mean, we're getting we we can almost we can almost touch the thing, uh, and then ov- obviously after that it just becomes that usual. It's like winning a tie at golf, Martin, isn't it? And then you play the next hole and you put two of them out of bounds. Yeah. But, I mean, we do okay. I think we beat Kilmarnock one nil, and then we just well, we phone it. But the actual we, 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 we did, yeah. We'll come, we'll come to but, that. But great atmosphere, great atmosphere at the end. And again, I, I think from the video as well, it's the usual. The kids are all in the middle of the park and so on, and certainly compared to the previous season as well. Yeah, yeah. just a wee bit, yeah. I mean, there's no jeopardy about it, but it was no, it was just a lot more fun than than, than the previous seasons. Um, Walter reflected on that. He was having no part of Rangers being involved in this kind of national council and session about the state of the game. I feel aggrieved at times that this club is not given credit for what we're trying to achieve here. We're attracting almost full houses to our games and trying to bring good quality players to the club, the kind of players that people want to watch. Yet we are dragged into this talk about a country in crisis. I don't think that's fair. It certainly does not reflect what we're doing at Ibrox. Um and then, as you've mentioned, Alan, he finishes his interview with a nod to really this bigger prize. Every year we've won the title. My admiration for what Celtic achieved in going nine years um, in a row grows. It was a tremendous achievement, and all we can do is hope that we can match or maybe beat it. Um, it must have been so wearying for Smith to, to, to win a league title um, and have it not really recognised in its own right, because by now it is firmly part of something else, it's, it's part of a quest it's like climbing to the top of the mountain just to see that it extends further beyond the clouds um, Richard Goff maybe a bit of mischief but maybe there's a bit of validity in his point um, when he said I think you have to examine the two achievements obviously nine titles in succession was a marvellous thing for Celtic but that was in the old first division, this time you're looking at seven Premier Division titles in succession, in my view there's a big difference and I think it is a record that will last a very long time now given David that half of the old first division in the 60s was part time it's not a ridiculous point to make but I Goff knew that it, that wouldn't hold any water in, in, in this city Um we knew what that, that ultimate goal was. You've got even money now. The Rangers will make it nine in a row, 64 to go one better. Yeah, look, um, it's there's been three nine in a rows in, in Scottish football, and ours is the best one, and it's unarguable. I'm sorry, it's, it's a fact, um, mm. because 20-team league, several part-time during the 60s and 70s, uh, Rangers in this era playing the teams four times, uh, and then, of course, we weren't in the league for most of Celtic, so... 
Yeah, there you go. It's just a fact. Um, scientists will <laughs> prove me correct on that one. I think uh, there you go. So, uh, look, you nailed it there when you said it must have been incredibly frustrating that they got to a league title. And to be honest, what we did is enjoyed that Hibs day and then went right next year. And even then, it was going to be and then nine. Um, And that was, I suppose, a a victim. Uh, They became a victim of their own success. Of their own success. The the expectations. Um, I wonder if we'll begin to see something similar in England with Manchester City. Mm. That maybe we're already at that point where people are are saying, well, yeah, you won the league, but... um, and funny you mention Manchester that if it were in the league, but there's Europe and yeah, that's, that's again similar, yeah. No, it, 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 yeah, but you're not absolutely really realistic. Right. No, no, we weren't yeah, expecting really. to win it, but we did expect to do better than we'd been doing. But I, I yeah, there was yeah. a definite sense of and I remember this very specifically, that titles after the nine in a row, all of them in my, my experience, personal experience, and I'd be interested to hear you guys and uh, interested to hear Alan's. When I was, you know, an adult, I've celebrated and enjoyed them more because I don't know why. Maybe yeah, I just, yeah. the expectation, I still expect Rangers to win the league every summer, but the, and I'm not just talking about 55 here, folks. I'm talking about 2003, 2005, the yeah, three yeah. under I I just... I thought maybe maybe I began to realise maybe we just didn't have the same advantages that we had and and my expectations were scaled by that. It, is, it I, not, is it not the same, David? What we've just talked about that you can't enjoy this this one for example, and I think anything after five, to be honest, you certainly six and seven, you cannot enjoy in its own right because it is subsumed into something bigger, and you can't enjoy that yet because we've not come to the end of that. Yeah, and therefore there just isn't an enjoyment of these titles. Now we'll talk about next season um, when we, we get to it. There's something a bit different because it was dramatic, and there there was an actual title race, which I guess provides its own energy. But certainly six and seven. Uh, yeah, this one, Martin. It's the, obviously we play Celtic. I mean, going to Hamden, uh, and for once we get beat three 0 Shocker. But even at that, normally I would be devastated. That would be me for ages. And it, again, it was like. Well, as David said, we're going to win the league next year. You know, it just it, became, it like it, and I think you also had that in it your was mind. Like a bit of a yeah. thistle at the end, an end of season game that Celtic defeat. Aye, like, you're right. Whatever. You're both right. Yeah. See, what made eight and nine special is that it was a fight, and that was somebody yeah. was up mm-hmm. against you. It would have been absolutely unforgivable for any Rangers manager, yeah. Walter Smith, whoever, not to have won the league titles that you've just discussed, Martin. Those two, it really would have. That, and it was almost impossible not to because had we been struggling, oh look, let's go and sign Tottenham Hotspurs, Scotland international striker. He'll come in and bang them in, and yeah. that yes. was the sort yeah. of advantage that yeah. we had that we we could always go and just take it away. So it would have been, as I say, completely unforgivable to me. Um, and maybe because of that, because it's not a case of you get credit for doing this; it's more you get loads and loads of grief for not doing it. Um. But I do think, you know, eight and nine were celebrated. There was still very much an eye on, but these two titles, these two titles were basically, we get a piss up and a bit closer (laughs) rather than, yeah, Mm. we're champions. And Mm. maybe that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's Uh, that. Yeah, maybe there was that sense of winning the league isn't enough here because there's no 
there's no challenge in it. And and you know we mentioned City. City have had a challenge. They've had to be very good to do it. They've yeah, had yeah. Record, but if they were to start running away with it the way we were and having it wrapped up by March, and so uh, in a way, Celtic coming back for eight and nine didn't feel yeah. it sometimes, but it, it actually probably we possible. actually had the upper game. Massive. Yeah, yeah. Well, we shall talk about that in a minute as well. Um, yeah, we we phone in the rest of the season. We have that one at um, Kilmarnock. We could beat by Motherwell at home. Then this disgraceful performance at Hamden. Celtic win 3 nothing. Um I don't think we were sober that day. And I mean that. I, nah, I, think, well, I, mean, I think they'd been out in the past. I, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> we have a 1-1 one, 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 one draw uh, at, at home to Thistle to, to get the, to actually get the, the trophy. But it's as I said, it's phoned in. I'll, I'll come back to this in a minute. But the, the other one um, that's maybe worth noting on 1st of May with Scott Nisbet's testimonial due to be David Cooper's final ever game of football it was a Rangers current team against the kind of Rangers old boys international select um Mo Johnson was coming back Terry Butcher was coming back obviously controversial figures in in, in different ways and to be managed by Graham Sunnis um who had said that he was coming back to to do it um but the last time you would see him in a dugout um We'd see him manage any team. I really don't have um, a lot of interest in the game any longer, and managing a club does not hold any particular appeal for me, he said on the 20th of April. Fibber. On the 21st of May, he was appointed as manager of Galatasaray. (laughs) Can you remember that night? It was, I think it was a Monday night, Maybank holiday, um, and it was like Nizzy very much loved, and listen, soonest respected him. He, He rejected a few offers because, you know, we've talked about this in the shows. Sunnis' reception that night, I think, was frosty to say the least. Um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't outright hostility, but it was clear that, that all was not yet forgiven. Is that just my memory? No, I think you're, you're uh, absolutely but, right I, there. I think there's a bit of something yeah. to, it, it wasn't what it would be now, for example. No, and I, I think if I can pinpoint, and I'm, I'm getting out, out outside the remit of the show a little, um, I don't think the warmth of the the, the, the renaissance of, of Sunnis' reputation as this god of Rangers again. He was on BBC Scotland on the, the panel um, for the, the, the win at Parkhead. We Rod scored and, you know, late in the game, horrendous That's night. Right, yeah. Force was superb. Moore and Amo were superb. Um and he kept saying we. Now you didn't do that on telly. You didn't do you know ex pros providing punditry was was the norm, and everyone understood they would have maybe leanings for certain clubs that they're all clubs. But you 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 maintained a kind of professionalism throughout it. He kept referring to Rangers as we, and I remember that getting a lot of traction at the time, and I kind of smirk and a smile, and I think that's maybe where the the, the thaw comes. Anyway, this end of the season um, was. Pretty poor, um, an interesting point in follow follow. Again, just talking about this issue of entertainment and what we're being beamed into our homes. I have succumbed to the temptations of Sky TV and now have the power to watch games with more verve and simply switch channels if they show the lack of interest like that in the recent old firm game. Um, and someone else after the 3 0 defeat. Um, tactically, we had a shambles. The manager has to get it right next season or he should be told to step aside and make way for fresh blood. Big talk. There was no way David Murray was going to make that kind of dis- uh, decision on Smith's future when the odds of domestic success were so good. But I think European fortunes had to change. 
But who were going to be the players that would facilitate that? I don't know if you remember in the morning of that Hibs game, David uh, and Alan, um, that when we're going to be kind of crowned champions, if you like, um, the Sunday tabloids being alive with the, the, the rumours that Dennis Bearcamp was coming to Rangers from Inter. That story never had legs. The fact that Arsenal paid £7.5 million pounds for it probably explains why not. But this was... Probably the first time that you could describe Rangers transfer talk, maybe since soon as arrived, as silly season. It was wild. I think even the summer of 86 is a distant um, shadow um, compared to this. You could make an 11. This is just in the April and May, the end of this season. An 11 of the the, the names that Rangers were linked with. Uh, Mark Bosnich, Stephen Wright, Davey Weir, Alan Stubbs, who was very highly thought of in Bolton. Yeah. Um, Stevie Crawford, Jonas Tern, before... He got injured in the name bomb. David Platt, Dennis Bergkamp, Gary McAllister, who was a shoe-in, apparently. Um, Florin Radichoy, who would go to West Ham and just shop. Um, Thomas Scurave, um, and on the bench, Jesper Blomquist, Scott Booth, and Dougie Friedman. Um, any of the names there? there Wet there, your whistle. There's some players in there, and, and Scott Booth. Um, mm. the, the, guys who, <laughs> who, who, the guys who got me excited were Tern who Scotland seemed to play Sweden every 20 minutes in the 90s and yeah. every time they did he was absolutely stood fantastic. out didn't he yeah. yeah he was magnificent and he he was genuinely regarded and respected as one of the top midfielders in the world at the time so you and asked him I was very interested in Roger Choi I thought was exciting pace to burn good player Thomas Scaravi was one that was linked a lot with us going right yeah. back to that uh, Italian 90 and then yeah. he did he did really well in Italy actually he wasn't I know there's maybe a tendency in the UK to see him as a as 1990 as a World Cup name but he, he did have a good career he was a target man uh, a very good player uh, Dougie Friedman was getting some rave reviews he was young at the time um, and loved the Bears yep he loved the Bears and there was still talk uh, there was talk about big English clubs being interested mm. in him as well. Stephen Wright, I like the idea of um, a great deal because one, we didn't have a right back. I thought, well, they're the name. And two, they, it was David Robertson too. That was kind of the way I remember yeah, being yeah, talked yeah. about. It's like, yep, yeah, we'll just... Ga- Gary McAllister was always, wasn't he? He was like Gary McAllister his... was a shoe-in. Gary McAllister had been told by Walter Smith that there was another midfielder he was after, and if he didn't get him and he didn't think he would, he would sign Gary McAllister. <laughs> but I will... You, I, I'm not going to name the other one, but... Um, <laughs> uh, spoiler, come back next week. But... He, uh, Gary McAllister was was genuinely, he would have been brilliant, right? And I can't believe oh, that right, Rangers, yeah. the amount of money we pished away over the nineties, that Gary McAllister was available for two and a half million, and we didn't just think like, oh, oh, buy when in the entire nineties. Well, yeah, but but even the, 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 the year before, Murray had told the press he was coming, and Leeds were like, no, he's not. And you can't tap players up in public like that. And Rangers were fined for, 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 I think, for doing it. Um, we did it with Judy as well. We get fined for that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, it was incredible. <laughs> anyway, it was just... It was mayhem. But given the majority of the players in that list were foreign, Rangers would still struggle to put an 11 out in the Champions League. Yeah, that's It would be technically kind of proficient. That's why Booth and Friedman are on that, li- Booth yes, exactly, are on yeah, that list. Yeah. Let's be honest. 
Yeah, but um, Murray, however, like quite a few British chairmen at this time, were speculating that the days of the former rule were coming to an end. And in the April of 1995, a relatively obscure Belgian footballer called Jean-Marc <laughs> Bosman was deliberating over whether to accept a settlement agreement from UEFA and other governing bodies or proceed to the European Court of Justice where his case for breach of contract under the Treaty of Rome was due to begin, with clubs all over Europe waiting to pounce on UEFA should the decision go against them. He would choose the latter and so doing change the world football forever. We will come back to that. But a relaxation was unlikely to occur before the new season, so even if it did, Rangers... How are they going to finance such an improvement, fans asked? How are we going to buy all these players, Mr Chairman, with few valuable assets that you could trade? Well, Murray was very clear when he was answering those questions. You, um, that, that was pretty much it. There'll be a 5% increase in season ticket prices right across the board, um, designed to bring in an extra £8 million that summer, as well as offering fans to buy into what he called ready for the future, where they could pay a one-off figure of £399, which should go into a player transfer reserve fund, as well as Blue Heaven, um, a, a development scheme to fill in the corners of the, the governed stand, bringing the capacity up to 51,000, installing two of the biggest screens in Britain so that Rangers could show away games and turning all the seats in the stadium blue. He wanted 10 £12 million to spend on new players that summer. Murray called it a crossroads and said, we now have to go through a major transition as a club. We're going to spend another £4 million in the stadium by August, falling on the £33 million already spent on it and a net £40 million spent on players. We have to go to our supporters to seek additional funds. Not all of them can afford that and there will be some who will be cynical about this, but no one has been forced into it and we would like to hope that there will be those who wish to do so. This £399 would give the fan the right to buy the season ticket for their seat at Ibrox for the next 25 years. Their name on the seat, you will see many of those when you go to Ibrox just now. A certificate, recognise a contribution, the right to transfer their seat within the immediate family, 10% discounts on the Rangers shop and Argyle House restaurant and a free weekend ticket worth up to £40 for the Rangers pre-season tournament this summer, which would include Tottenham, Stoya Bucharest and Sampdoria. Murray's gift for taking money from fans wasn't limited to the ordinary punter, and this is incredible. Um, in April, he persuaded the Edinburgh property developer and Rangers fan, Ian Russell, to spend £1 million to become what was called an associate director. The title held absolutely no power whatsoever. In fact, it's debatable Jeez. whether any normal director held any power at this they particular time. <laughs> um, Murray um, said this, presumably with a straight face, as another form of sponsorship. I think um, Ian Russell had already sponsored um, Rangers quite a lot. Another form of sponsorship, associate directors will be a sounding board for directors. These are Rangers people and they can give us their thoughts. Well, how yeah. about that, Davey? Um <laughs> I mean, that, that's a headline grabber, but I, I do remember Ready for the Future, Blue Heaven, um, as well as a 5% increase in season tickets. If you want big players, um, Chuck is 400 quid. I can see how well that would go down now. I love the idea when I hear it, and I hear it a lot um, from people, that our angels just see us as, as cash machines. And it's not that I hear it and I, I say, that's a silly thing that you're saying. It, it's what I tend to think is, are you new around here? Um, yes, <laughs> Rangers do. Rangers have done this all my life. Rangers have gone to the fans for everything. Who built Ibrox, Alan? That'll be us through the Rangers pools, yeah. Rangers fans have, for 
the longer there are many things that, that certain clubs in Scotland can claim that they were at the forefront of. Nobody can claim they were at the forefront of tipping the fans upside down and using a magnet to get the change out their pockets like Rangers. And Murray yeah. was a salesman. And he was brilliant. Um, on a personal note about that Blue Heaven, my mum handles the money because my dad is is useless with it. I think he was in charge of it at the start of the marriage. It went tits up. He's <laughs> never been allowed to, to <laughs> yeah, do it again. Yeah. And that was, you know, before I came into the world. So, uh, and I remember my dad one night asking my mum uh, to, you know, just asking her if uh, he could go up to the bank because you had to go up to the bank to lift over a certain amount in those days, folks. Right. Uh, yes, yeah. And he was going to lift £798 and he was going to pay for me and him to get the season ticket, you know. And she went, okay, right, well, that's a lot. Uh, what, what do you get for it? And he went through that list of benefits and she went, oh, yeah. £400 oh, for the privilege of selling you the ticket that you already have. <laughs> you buy it. And she said, he said, no, but it means it means that you can buy it every year. She said, You've had it for years. You buy it every, every year, year anyway. <laughs> so my my mum put it, my mum wonderfully just drilled it down to, Tommy, what you're asking me for is 399 no. <laughs> to, to get your name in the seat. Take a fucking magic marker and write you and Davy's <laughs> names on the seat, yeah. and that'll be, so we didn't get it. But look, I mean, yeah. it, I will give Murray credit in one way, and this is something that the current Rangers board could learn from. Um, newsflash, folk, football clubs will always take your money. That's what they do, right? That's their job. Um, and they will always do it. Murray at least said, mm. we need your money to go and do this, this, and this, right? Yeah. Um, Rangers current board stopped using phrases like best in class and all that tenuous airy bullshit. Tell us, we want to buy some players. If you put money into this fund, we'll go and buy players. And to be fair to Murray, that summer, he buys players. Good players come he in. He does. The now, Rangers are tooling up for sure. Where, where he I doesn't put his with, own money in. Yeah, that's where I fall out with money. Murray had this... And he, but what? He, 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 you a get Rangers fans? And he said, this is like, I, I could sell some of the stock... But I don't think the fans would like that. They trust me. Yeah, but uh, Joe yeah. Lewis, 20 million quid or something, Joe, Joe wasn't it? 20 million quid for Joe Lewis. Yeah. Million, oh, that's coming Joe Lewis gave him 40 million. He was brilliant Aye. at it. But he but he he gave the impression that it was it's the phrase, isn't it? A five or a ten, it's that one. But he yeah. and Rangers fans bought this. And even to this day, you'll get Rangers fans saying, Well, you know, he, he brought certain players to the club and you're like no we did that it wasn't his money um but yeah. so he, he, that's it was david best money big david best he done the it, bit it of was, the future because and I'd listen i have some sympathy in recent years when fans will bemoan and want rich men to pay for their hobby right well you know what do you spend on a, on a trip? What would you spend on trips through the year? Put it in a transfer fund if you want your, your £4 million strike or whatever. There, there's some logic there. Um, I want to ask this question because Rangers do tool up. We'll, we'll talk about that when when we return um, for, for the next season. But they do. Celtic, uh, asking them to, to lose um, against lower league opposition in the second cup final of the season was, was probably a bit too much. They, they beat Airdrie 1-0 to win the Scottish Cup, their first trophy in six years. Wasn't a particularly great game, very nervy, as you would expect for, for a club that's already been beaten by lower league opposition on an absolute drought. Their new boy scored, Van Hooydonk, 
only goal of the game. Um, and probably a, a, a realization that, that a reliance on a single player was as it had been for the last two seasons. Hately then loud was probably no longer going to do. Um, it's the first season that Celtic had got the better of us in head to head since 87, 88. Um, and that the ease of that win at Hamden um, was very much what was putting the buzz back around the place. Um, and Celtic put an advert out uh, the week after the Scottish Cup final for application for season tickets for their new and improved Parkhead. Celtic winning the Tennis Scottish Cup is only the beginning. We are back on form. The Rangers simply had to react and, and you know, buying one or two players wouldn't be enough. Um, but as it would turn out, despite that buzzer in the place, it would be nearly two years before Celtic defeated Rangers again, nearly three before they did it again in the league. Um, the answer is both, guys, but in true history student um, fashion, to what extent was that splodge in the summer to be better in Europe or to tool up for an actual challenge, David? But both, I think that I kind of, maybe I'm a wee bit cynical about these now, is I tend to think that every summer... Our, our spend was for two weeks was going to be to, to be better in Europe before we inevitably get knocked out. That's what we told ourselves when the players arrived in and we looked at it in paper and we said yes. And then we never learned, did we, in the 90s that new five, six new players don't gel by the first game of the season against a team who generally were halfway through the season when we played them yeah. and we would get beat. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it's both. I think there was a, a realisation that the team was uh you know, as you say, Martin, it was it was massively the squad was uneven now, to say the least. That there had been a lot of bit part players who'd, who'd come in and done well, but we were trying to move away from the era of, you know, needing a Fraser Wisher to come in and needn't to go and buy yeah. Alan McLaren after two months. We wanted to sensibly, if you like, do do what Sunis did, which is I've got my core squad and then I'll have a couple of positions that I maybe need to look at each year. And we wanted to move back towards that. And the and the business in the summer, I won't go into it because as you say, we'll, we'll do it in a couple of weeks, but the business in the summer I thought was a lot less kind of harem scarum than what we had seen yeah. previously um, where there was this sense of always adding, always building but a lot of it was short term, a lot of it was we'll bring in this guy because we're short of players and then the squad, when you looked at it it was kind of bloated and there were only so many players that you thought a guaranteed starter, whereas I think if you go back to 88, 89, 90 and you're looking at those teams everyone seemed to be bought with a purpose in these squad paddings you very rarely saw them, you know. You would get the guys, Dave McKellar, you know, comes in for, Ooh. you know, because we need a third goalkeeper. But we we just seemed to be filling the team with a lot of these guys, and a lot of it was injuries, of course. But we seemed to be very unsettled, and never did we seem to name the, the same team. I think that the first half of the nineties, you would kind of struggle to say that's the Rangers eleven when everyone's fit after ninety two, ninety three till you know, the middle of the next season, really. I think you struggle to say if everyone's fit, those are the 11. Whereas with Sunis, you could do that. You know, you could say if everyone's fit, that's who's in the team. So I I like the business of summer, but I think you're right. Although, look, we always told ourselves every summer, this is for the European challenge. We'll do it the season after this. We'll do it the season after it again. Every year when we tooled up, we were going to do it. 
And I think that what we avoided doing because something you've mentioned in the show, something you've mentioned all through the series, because everything has to be subsumed at the altar of nine in a row, ten in a row, yeah, yeah. Um, that we never really looked at the reasons why we had to keep going out every summer and doing a major refit. Yeah, yeah. Alan, we, we look back by the nature of mm-hmm. how history works, and it looks as if, you know, Rangers have treaded water. We have won twice in two seasons in the league against Celtic. And now they've won something. And it's like, right, they're coming back. Let's let's kind of do the best. And as it would turn out, we're going to play them six times in the next season. It's a challenge. Um, it's a mm-hmm. successful yeah. one. And, you know, we've got a great record. But these are tight games. And it's a, it's a proper race. Do we know that in the summer of 95? I guess, again, why I asked the question. Um, Europe is, you know, David Murray's not talking about, although he does say, you know, Celtic are coming back. He's sort of Kilmarnock doing good things in terms of the structure of the club and whatever. Scottish football is, is kind of showing a bit of growth again. But it's it's about the Champions League, that you need to be in the Champions League, you need to be in the Champions League. Are we concerned? Can you remember that Saturday afternoon? Disappointed, of course, that the Airdrie didn't do what Wraith Rovers could do. Um, thinking, hmm. Maybe there's, there's something I, in, in that. Yeah. I, I had already, sorry, sounds defeatist, but kind of given up. I think reality had kicked in in my head about the Europe. As David said, we were going to bring in additional quality, which was good. But I don't know whether subconsciously that reference to the nine was kind of really making my decision for me. I thought we're going to bring in better quality of players, which would get us over domestically, I was conscious as well that Celtic were beginning to, as you say, financially they had done a wee bit, you know, with the stadium. They were bringing some players in. So I was conscious of that when I thought that we would have done okay league-wise because I felt that like us as supporters, you know, and the team kind of dialing it in, I thought if there was a more challenge, we would we would rise to it. So I felt as if we were okay domestically. But to be honest with you, in terms of Europe, I just felt that we didn't do that whole system thing we were sprinkling new quality in again because we didn't have the luxury of let's try and change the structure yeah. and let's try and even have project. You know, now you would go, that guy's a project player for two or three. And I felt the short-termism of kind of we've got to win the league, it, it kind of really it, it kind of took over the let's do something different in Europe. You know? I thought that Celtic... Um, were better, but I didn't think they would be running us to the last day. No, I didn't think we needed they to. They did the penultimate mm-hmm. yeah. season. Yeah, I, I don't think I felt that either. And I think there's maybe a bit of um, casting back because the narrative is nice. I'm sure you don't want to you don't want to fuck this up when you're that close to, to this kind of um, uh, becoming a holy grail. And how healthy that is is something I think we'll, we've talked about we'll talk about again because it's, it is insular. But you're also allowed to enjoy and want to be champions of your country again and again and again. So it's, it's a kind of, there's a tension there. Um, but we'll come back to that. The final question for this, final question for 94, 95, gents. Um, I use the title God Complex, not as I kind of play on the We Are Not Worthy thing and the the, the, the nicknames that, 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 that Loudrop got. Mm-hmm. But because... How healthy is this um, reliance, over-reliance on an individual? Um, give the ball to Brian. Thousands coming to actually watch him rather than a Rangers team. This is a team sport after all. 
the two players play in very different circumstances, but both Cooper and Loudrop were expected at times to carry a team in their backs. Too often the only creative outlet at the club. Um, now, gifted heroes with carefree spirits are fine. In fact, I would argue that they're necessary, but depends on one player is never sustainable in the long term because better sides can isolate them and leave the rest exposed. I've always had a theory that this British obsession with the hero can be traced back to Roy Race, Roy the Rovers, and, you know, don't worry about working hard at creating a system, lads. Roy will bail us out, or Brian Robson, or Brian Loudrop. That season's Champions League final, held in Vienna, told, I think, a more modern story about visionary heroes. Renus Mikels and Rigo Saki were not direct combatants that night. They were most likely watching on in the stands, but their ideas and their coaching legacies were going head-to-head as Ajax defeated Milan 1-0 to be crowned champions of Europe. I would say the two strongest 11s that have ever took the field on you know Europe's most prestigious stage, that Champions League final, and not one player, no matter how good, stood tall above them all. Um, David and then Alan is maybe a lesson that the direction of travel at the top level, that technical excellence is required all around the pitch. It is not simply someone will bail us out. It's about the whole. Yeah, 100%. And, and it's not that... This is not just a British idea, although, you know, as you say, we love the idea, but Maradona winning the World Cup on his own, you know, that that kind of thing, if you get somebody who's good enough. I'll give you another example of a club who didn't get it quickly enough. Inter Milan would buy Ronaldo from Barcelona and they would build an entire side around funneling the ball to Ronaldo in certain positions and we all know what happened unfortunately to Ronaldo he breaks his knee he suffers two serious knee injuries yeah, yeah. and that that entire squad was useless useless it was it was high priced but it it was never quoted to do anything because it was a machine built for one player and it didn't function in the slightest without him it, it wouldn't work anymore. And football being football, players sometimes get injured. They sometimes suffer losses of form. They sometimes have issues off the field. They're human beings. It, I will, I'll always take uh, a great... A, a modern example to me is Barcelona, that wonderful team that Pep Guardiola created at, at, um, at Barcelona. Mm. And it had Lionel Messi in it. And he was doing outrageous things. He wasn't doing outrageous things and winning them games on his own. Occasionally, sure, a tight game here or there, maybe. But it was the side. That side was full of brilliant players playing a system and it had the star on top. I don't think it's sustainable in any major league or any half-decent league now. Yeah, every club's going to have the most important player. Every club's going to have their star. That happens, right? But you have to have a system now. Tactics have evolved to such a way. Because I think defensive systems have evolved and fitness has evolved to such a way that any team should be able to work out you know, how to get in shape, keep you out and press. And we've seen that with Rangers' opponents in the last few seasons, that sometimes against very average sides, we've struggled very badly because the one thing they have in common is mm. well, they're organised. Um I don't think it works. And I think that we all have said on this show and the listeners have all said how fondly they remember Brian Loudrop this year, how wonderful he was, and yet how absolutely dreadful and boring the season was. 
that's where football yeah. was. And I remember that Ajax team, the semi-final, um, they played Panathinaikos and they actually lost at mm. home at a shock result. They didn't play very well at all. And it was it was actually a bit of a harbinger of that Greek side winning the Euros that, that Panathinaikos put about mm. 18 behind the ball. And mm. they went to Greece in the second leg and it was one of the best performances I have ever yeah. seen where they all had about 300 touches each. Everybody was involved. The ball moved at lightning pace. And you just thought, we can't do that. We do not have the, you know, can you imagine, you know, Gary, Alec Clellan turning inside? And yeah. It wouldn't have well, happened. Yeah. I mean, I, listeners, we, we, Davey and I, in another chat, we're, we're, we're talking about this. I don't think there is a stronger 22 than that 95 Champions League final in a, in a European Cup Champions League mm-hmm. final. If you think you have another one, please let me know. But when your worst player is maybe Marco Simeone, um, you're, you're, <laughs> you're doing pretty well. Alan, but does this go, I mean, that, 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 that final with two well-matched, well-drilled, just efficiency everywhere, does that run contrary to, to the, the romantic um, yearning that we have for a Cooper and a loud drop? In a couple of years, we're going to see um, George Weah take the ball from you know one end of the pitch to the other um, for um, Milan against Verona. But those goals, we talked about that, that loud drop goal against Dundee United a couple of weeks ago, you're not going to see many of them as football develops because mm. it isn't about the individual. No. no, it's totally changed. Domestically, again, we'll get away with it for a bit by doing it. But that's what I'm saying. Even the previous couple of years, everything moved on. So we were suddenly playing in Europe. And as you say, they were so they were so ahead of us in terms of tactics and kind of shape and how to nullify us. And so that was going to happen. Ultimately, I think what was going to happen as well in some parts of the domestic game, when different tactics came in and some foreign coaches as well, we came a wee bit of a cropper. And I think it wasn't actually until Advocate came, believe it or not, although yeah. again, we were still behind in Europe, that we, we seemed to have a bit more of a shape and things did move on. But at this point in time, Davey's right, it was like a, thank God Brian's playing, you know, for this one and potentially maybe other people that we've got. But by this time, everything had just gone. And again, unfortunately, as you've said, because of the nine being sitting there, it's like, a, okay, we might want to strip back, we might need to look at this, we might need to change. But the biggie was you can you can because you can fuck up the nine. You know, and that was the, I think that's the position that we were in. Also, Martin, here's one thing that's different in this era from even five years before. We now do know what the Joneses are doing next door. We're yeah. watching oh, the yeah. Champions yeah. League on ITV, it's free. We're watching Serie A every Sunday on Channel 4, it's free. Yeah. And a lot of us are now getting Sky and we're watching the EPL every week. So in the 80s, you didn't really know what was going on. You know, you heard about these players, but mm-hmm. you only saw them at a World Cup, right? No, no, even really at Euros, you saw them at a World Cup. Now, but not every week, David. Now, no, no. now I know what it's that Ajax team is yeah. playing like, right? And I see them yeah. six times between January and, yeah. and the end. Of, yeah. I see that Juventus team week. I see that Milan team you're speaking about. It, it suddenly our horizons go up, and we're like, no, no, this isn't this isn't good enough anymore. You can't just keep playing yeah. like this, and, and that's why we get we, this demand. And we spoke about that in our live show. At halfway point, I've written a chapter about the impact of this TV explosion because you're absolutely right, and it's it's everywhere. And I, I'm not even joking when I include Championship Manager in in that because, especially my generation, awareness is there. And Walter 
as these years go on, gets it in the neck for, well, why are we not like that? Why haven't you signed that that boy from Georgia that you know we're all aware of? <laughs> because I signed him for my my Luton Town team, and we, you know we did this blah blah blah. So it's it's uh, everything is is changing. The football world is getting bigger, and because of what we've talked about um, in terms of you know the nine and everything else, we're getting smaller really, and, and we're mm, maybe just yeah. playing the game, gentlemen. Thank you very much for tonight. Thank you for these this particular season. Uh, was wondering how to come at it, and I hope we've both captured um, the the kind of main themes um, throughout. I know this was a slightly difficult episode to to do, given that the subject matter. But thank you, Alan. No, you're welcome. It was a toughie with the Davy one, but it was good as well that we got a chance to kind of just express our you know kind of thoughts and our our feelings for him as well. But no, thanks, Martin. I enjoyed it overall. Yeah. Thank you, David. I'd just like to echo what Alan said, and what you said at the start. I I found this more difficult than I thought I might going back and and yeah. reliving because that's what we do in this show we we try to go back to how we felt then um that, that was a sore one I um so mm. uh, I, I hope I hope that the listeners enjoyed it uh, it was it was a, a painfully honest episode but um I think it was I'm glad we did it so am I we are three quarters of the way there now, ladies and gents, and we're not going to do a live show next week, uh, but we are going to do a Q&A. We'll put up a separate thread later on in the week, um, so if there's things that we haven't touched upon yet that you, you have a burning desire to know what myself, Davey, maybe another um, one of the, the, the regulars thinks, um, then please uh, let us know and we'll we'll recap on, on where, we've, where we've come through um since January, my word, it uh, really has been a bit of an epic. But um, yeah, it's always good. There's so many comments come up and questions come up in the thread. I would I, like to just um, spend some time in those. So if you want to repeat those, please, or come up with something new, there will be a thread for you to to do that. And it, it builds me a wee bit of time for writing, which is much needed. Um, so yep, thanks. Um, if you could do that, that'd be great. So that's us for 94, 95. Walter Smith was often agitated by transfer speculation, even though it's a normal part of a manager's job. In the summer of 1992, he rolled his eyes at the link to Lothar Mateus, suggesting that if the media was to go through the M's, then perhaps Maradona would be next. He duly treated the weekly list of new names around this time with the usual straight bat. All except one. On Friday 5th of May, the Daily Star ran yet another fanciful transfer link, but by the Monday, Smith had been forced to confirm that a deal was in place with the Players' Club. It was now all about the man in question. Not since Morris Johnson, six years before. Not Loudrop, not Bowley, nor Hately, nor Duncan Ferguson had Rangers been close to signing a player that generated so much thrill and cynicism in equal measure. The spark that would re-energise this dressing room or another expensive liability, both in body and in mind. The debate raged all summer long, both for those who were excited and for those who were frozen in fear. Before the season was even out, Rangers were making a huge statement of intent. Gaza was coming. Until next week, bye for now. Podcast Network.